Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. Now, I literally can't miss a day. It's the first thing I put in my body every single morning. As someone who suffers from IBS, AG1 has completely improved my gut health and allows me to have sustained energy throughout the day. And since I'm always on the go, the travel packs make it so easy to stay consistent wherever I am. Love it. I've personally been taking AG1 for a while. And as someone who lacked a multivitamin routine, AG1 has been the perfect product to mix into my morning routine. Truthfully, I was a skeptic at first as I'm with most supplements and vitamins, but I've felt noticeably better at the start of morning workouts and definitely have seen an improvement in my digestive health. I tend to mix my AG1 with two tablespoons of lemon juice and coconut water, and it's delicious. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash STW. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash STW to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by restaurateur and founder Michael Chernow. Michael is the founder of New York City well-known restaurant Seymour's and the co-founder of The Meatball Shop. Most recently, he founded Creatures of Habit. Creatures of Habit launched with their signature product, The Protagonist, a high-protein instant superfood oatmeal. Michael's personal journey led to the creation of this incredible oatmeal blend. He has been eating oatmeal every single day for over 20 years and believes that habit building is at the foundation to create change. We talked to Michael about his daily habits, building a CPG brand, and what it's like starting a restaurant. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very, very much for having me. We're super pumped to be chatting with you today. I'm sure our listeners know your name probably know your story, but we want to hear it again. So can you quickly give us a little intro on who you are and how you come to us? Sure. I mean, it's hard for me to make it little. I tend to talk. So do me a favor. Give me a sign. Just be yeah. like, Dude, good enough. Um, <laughs> I grew up in New York City in Manhattan. I have thought entrepreneurially for as long as I can remember. I was selling my toys in front of my apartment building on 87th Street and 2nd Avenue when I was like five and six years old under the supervision of my older sister. I fell in love with selling shit. Um, oh, can I curse on this or should yeah. I? Okay. Yeah. Um, I fell in love with selling shit. I, I don't know what it was, but I guess there was a, a dopamine rush from that, from that early on. And, um, and I, and, you know, I've been selling things um, and connecting with human beings ever since. Uh, got a job in a restaurant when I was 12 years old, 
really felt like I'd arrived. I loved the restaurant business. I loved um, the ability to connect with people at scale. Um, I loved being able to turn people's um, day or evenings around uh, with smiles and just like good vibes. And so I worked in restaurants from 12 to 28. I worked every position in a restaurant. Um, and uh, I, I, I went to culinary school. I got a degree in uh, culinary arts and restaurant management. And then when I was 20, uh, when I graduated, I was 26. I wrote a business plan for the year of my, my 27th year. And then I put that business plan in front of, I don't know, 20 regulars at the restaurant. I'd been working at this restaurant for eight years. So I got hired there very young. And uh, 14 of those guys um, who watched me grow from a man, you know, from a boy to a man, uh, wrote me a check. And I opened my first business called The Meatball Shop in the Lower East Side of New York City in 2010. It was massively successful, paid our investors back within six months, raised more money, opened up five more of those over the next three years. Uh, wanted to see if I had what it took to uh, strike gold twice. And I created another brand, a uh, restaurant concept called Seymour's, which is a sustainable seafood restaurant. Uh, opened that up in 2015. Same thing happened. You know, I, I really got I really got lucky. The timing was on my side and uh, and 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 we crushed it with Seymour's. Um, I took on a partner. He was way more experienced than I was in scaling restaurants. So I made him the CEO of the company. I took the presidency and we made a deal that we would run it together for three to four years. And then um, either we would look to sell the company or he would buy some of my equity so that I can go create another brand because that's ultimately what I now know I love to do. Uh, and so that's exactly what we did. We, we grew the company together. Uh, and uh, in 2019, he bought a significant piece of my equity and I started the process for Creatures of Habit. Uh, Creatures of Habit today is a direct-to-consumer CPG company. Originally, it was going to be a restaurant that I was going to use as an incubator for CPG. Um, but, uh, you know, the pandemic hit, things changed, the world changed, my career changed, and I launched Creatures of Habit, the direct-to-consumer lifestyle and wellness brand in direct-to-consumer in August uh, of last year. We're coming up on a one-year anniversary. Uh I am more fired up about this business than anything I've ever done in my career. It aligns um, perfectly with my personal passion and love and foundation for, you know, nutrition, fitness, wellness, mindset. Um, that has been the cornerstone of my success and happiness over the last 18 years. Um, yeah. Creatures love it. Um, big creatures of habits fans over here. We love our oatmeal. We're big oatmeal fans. Uh I want to understand what's like the biggest learning you took from opening two of the best restaurants in New York City to your Creatures of Habit uh, consumer brand, like two different things. Like what's something you took away? Culture is everything. Team is everything. People are everything. Uh, and leading with my heart in a kind way has worked for me so far. Um, you know, a couple of people have definitely steamrolled that, uh, I am, I'm a natural leader. There's no doubt about it. Right. I, I do, I do have that leader presence, but I am not an asshole. Um, and, uh, and sometimes where I, where I should have been an asshole or I needed to be an asshole, I, I wasn't. And I learned a lot from that experience where now I I'm able to draw very, very thick boundaries. Um, but you know, I still stay true to my philosophy where culture is everything. People have to want to want to be there. 
you know, people have to want to work there. And, and, and I know that if people want to work within an organization, that is awesome. Um, I don't have to worry about the customers because they're going to feel the energy from the work that we put in internally. And, uh, and that's worked for me very well. And so I really parlayed that right into, right into creatures of habit. You know, it's a lot harder to do that in the digital landscape. However, um, I think it's expressed in our branding. I think it's expressed in our messaging. I didn't want to open up a, you know, fancy wellness company. Um, I really wanted to have a wellness brand that was in your face. That was for everyone that, you know, you could see a 18 year old skate kid eating a bowl of oatmeal, you know, someone snowboarding and pulling a, a pouch of the oats out of their snowboard jacket and, you know, doing it. And you can also see your grandma, um, you know, replacing her Quaker oats for the incredible creatures of habit, right? And so the other thing that I also learned in di digital is messaging is everything. Um, you're, it's much harder to tell a story digitally than it is in person, of course, with a restaurant, right? And I know two things. The business of business is relationships and the business of business is storytelling. If you can nail relationships and storytelling, you really have... Um, you have something special, right? And so, you know, we've been playing this oatmeal game for the last year. We're coming up on a year. And, and one thing that we learned over the course of the year is Quaker is oatmeal. Quaker is oatmeal, right? Like when people think of oatmeal, they think of Quaker. <laughs> and, and so we, we, because we've been saying oatmeal all the time, we, because we, oats are a, a main ingredient in our product. However, don't make up half the half the ingredients. Um, we get bucketed into this oatmeal thing. And the reason why it's called oatmeal is because, and I can tell you the story of how pre, what inspired creatures, but it started with oatmeal for me. It was, it was, it was how what I was eating. I got sober when I was 23 years old. I've been in recovery for 18 years. A couple of guys that helped me get sober were deeply invested in the world of wellness at that time, 18 years ago. And they basically wrote a meal plan for me. They said, if you're going to get sober, you're not just going to, it's not that you're just going to stop drinking and partying. You're going to have to introduce some new things into your life that you're going to become passionate about. And we would suggest fitness and nutrition. And so they wrote me a fitness plan. They wrote me a nutrition plan. And part of that nutrition plan was eat oatmeal every single morning is your first meal of the day. Don't ask any questions. Just do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's delicious. Or you can make it delicious and it's healthy and will fill you up. And so I've been eating oatmeal every day for 18 years. Every my first meal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true creature of habit. That's why the company's called Creatures of Habit. And uh, and so, you know, but of course, over the years, I've, I've added things to it. You know, eventually it became oats and chia seeds and flax seeds and pumpkin seeds and pink Himalayan salt and um, and cinnamon and berries and some nuts. And then on the side of that, I had my, my omega-3 fatty acids, my vitamin D3, my probiotic, and my digestive enzymes. And so I was able to take all of those things that I ate every single morning and consumed every morning and put them into a pouch so that my number one nutritional win every day was now made available to, or is now made available to everyone and everyone and anyone. Um, and so we're trying to get away from the, oat that's a long way of saying we're trying to get away from this oatmeal thing. And really the messaging is, this is the best thing you can put into your body in the beginning of the day. Um, it's a superfood meal. It's a superfood breakfast and oats are a part of it, but it's so much more than oatmeal. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's an incredible, that's an incredible answer. And I really like what you said about like my big takeaway is relationships and storytelling. So I feel like you're right. Like relationships open up so many opportunities for your business. And then if you can back up those opportunities by storytelling in a compelling way that makes your product resonate with consumers so you can take advantage of those opportunities that you've generated through relationships, that does a lot um, for the early days of your business. So I think that's really insightful. Um, I just want to understand a little more before we jump into KOH, just kind of the restaurant background. So we haven't had that many people on who have been in kind of the restaurant business extensively but maybe you could just tell us a little bit i mean meatball shop and seymour's are two huge names big brands in new york city you talk a little bit about kind of the biggest challenging uh sorry biggest challenges of of growing a restaurant franchise and kind of what needs to happen in order to be successful kind of in that space within kind of such a competitive market of new york city Sure. Um, one thing to clarify, there's a big difference between multi-unit restaurant and franchise. Franchise right. is um, is like kind of a scary uh, term, not because I think it's a bad idea. I actually think it's a fantastic idea. But, well, no, yes, you definitely could do that, but, but it's a great way to scale a restaurant co company. But if you're not franchised, actually registered with the franchise union or whatever it is, um, and you use franchise in your messaging, they, they come after you. So Seymour's <laughs> and Meatball Shop are not franchised. They are a uh, multi-unit restaurant group, you know, privately owned. And, um, you know, for me, I, I can't tell you why this is. I, I can tell you that I think it's a common thread amongst most entrepreneurs. <clears throat> I have no fear when it comes to business creation. And, and, um, I really don't, I, you know, I don't, I'm not afraid to take a risk and be the first one off the cliff and see if my ideas resonate. Um, I'm actually, I, I like run towards it as fast as I can. I love it. And so, you know, the restaurant business is notoriously the hardest business in the world. And when you put the hardest business in the world, potentially uh, in the hardest city to uh, compete in like New York, the odds are stacked against you. It's just, that's the brass tacks. You know what I mean? Like the odds are stacked against you. For me, because I, I grew up in New York City, I worked in restaurants all through ch my childhood. I felt like, the restaurant world was like an extension of my humanity. You know, I, I, I was so confident in the meatball shop. Like there was not a doubt in my mind. I remember on opening night, true story, opening night, we were, we were at the meatball shop, my partner, Dan Holzman and I, and he is just about the most pessimistic, skeptical guy on the planet. Like truly, we could not be more opposite in, in regards to how we think. We were standing at the back of the restaurant. Our publicist made us swear to not take the paper off the windows to let people in until we literally opened the restaurant for business. So we had the paper up on the windows. It was like 4.45. We were opening the restaurant at five o'clock for the first time ever. And we were standing at the back of the restaurant and Dan said, you know, I bet you that when we open up the doors, there'll be three people outside. And I said, I think you're wrong, dude. I think we're going to, and we did not look. And I was like, I think we're going to open up the doors. 
and it is going to be mayhem. And sure enough, five o'clock hit. We took the paper down. We opened the door and there were like 200 people online waiting to get into the meatball shop from the front of the restaurant, down Stand Street and halfway up Orchard Street. And we, <laughs> I, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I ran to the back of the line and I told everybody to walk out onto Stand Street and don't worry, everybody will get meatballs. Just walk out on Stand Street. So all these people walked out right in front of the restaurant. We took a picture of all the people that were waiting online to come and eat at the meatball shop. And God is my witness, that line didn't stop for years. That line was like consistent. People were waiting like four hours for meatballs. I could, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. I, it was like, it was like insane. I was like, you guys are waiting four hours for a $7 bowl of meatballs. Let me bring you meatballs online. You can take them home and come back later at like 11 o'clock at night and come in and experience it. But don't, I, I felt so bad for people, you yeah. know, we were waiting so long. Anyway, I just, you know, so the hardest part about opening restaurants in New York City is the hours are insane. I was working 18 hours a day, seven days a week for the first two years of, of opening that business until my wife like really was like, this ain't going to work. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and so I had to make a move. But um, so there was that. And then, you know, when you decide that you want to scale a restaurant, there's so much more that goes into scale, in my opinion, so far from my experience, right? I've only done D to C in, in the world of CPG. I haven't done retail yet. So I'm sure retail's got a whole nother arena that I'm going to learn an enormous amount about, which I'm excited about. But in scaling a restaurant, concept there are so many moving parts and it takes an army to run a restaurant so i had you know at one point between meatball shop and seymour's there were 13 restaurants in new york city and over 750 employees you know and i'm 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 like the founder of these companies and I'm, I'm, I'm walking around knowing that there are 700 people depending on me for their livelihood at like 31 years old. Um, it was intense, you know? And so, but I, 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 I loved it because it was, for me, it was this opportunity to really, really bring people together. Um, we had epic parties and lots of fun. The thing that was the most challenging for me though, as a, as an entrepreneur was that my passion for humans, my passion for food and, and beverage and, and general hospitality was sidebar sidebarred because my job ultimately became doing deals with landlords managing construction crews and, you know, like making decisions on, you know, how big a fucking, you know, how, how deep I want the, the, the subway tile on in the bathroom, you know? And so it, I, I, I was not deal. I was not in the restaurants doing what I love to do. So that's ultimately why I was, was very comfortable um, when the pandemic hit making a pivot into this arena. Um, the other thing, I guess, the other lesson that I would just say is, is that like I'm making it sound easy. It's definitely not easy. There's nothing easy about it. Um, if you, you know, if you're not, if you're not profitable, if you're not cash flow positive in the restaurant business, you're done. It's not like CPG where, you know, people are expected for the first couple of years to burn cash. Like you don't do that in restaurants. It's not, that's why like my number one priority in CPG is profitability. Like that is, that is what I want. I don't want to, I don't want to burn cash until, you know, 
like I just I just feel like profitability is everything uh, because it's health, right? Like wellness for me is eating the right things and moving my body the right way. Health for a business is cash flow. It just is. Yeah, it's so it ah, uh, it's so cool coming from that space to the consumer space. And I think you bring so much insight into creatures of habit. And I want to unpack creatures of habit a little bit more. And the first question being, so as it stands, creatures of habit, you know, is built upon your habit of eating oatmeal every single day. But the brand is so much more than that. And I think what we have been seeing so much in the consumer space is brand is everything and storytelling is everything. How do you communicate this community to your consumers and people alike. So I'd love to understand, like, how are you unpacking the idea of habit building to your consumers other than beyond the name, you know, of the brand creatures of habit? Um, so there's a number of ways that we, we think, think about that. We're actually launching a really cool free, how to create a habit course um, that will be offered to all of uh, to everyone really, but, but we're going to launch it with our, our current community. Um, it's a seven day course and it walks you through really what it means to commit to a habit, how you, how you make a habit last, how you can, you know, how you can keep it for a, an extended period of time and then ultimately how it becomes second nature. And so it's really like that, you know, creatures of habit is not uh, an oatmeal brand right? Creatures of Habit is a company that is throwing the flag in the ground and saying there's no secret to success or happiness. There's not. It is all about the decisions you make on a daily basis consistently. That is it. You know, I get asked all the time through my social media and like, what do you do to do it? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I don't understand what you don't see. I fucking work my ass off every day and make hard decisions to stay awesome. And, and, and that's not awesome for me. That's I am awesome. awesome. <laughs> that, no, but that's awesome for my family. That's like, I know that if I, if I know that I, if I commit to selfish time in the morning, that doesn't sacrifice time with work and family, meaning I wake up at 445 and it's two hours of just my time my time to indulge in my wellness practices. Um, that makes me feel awesome, which ultimately allows me to show up as an awesome human being, period, right? And that is what Creatures of Habit is. Creatures of Habit is a brand that says there's no switch you can flip. There's no pill you can take. It does not happen overnight. It takes fucking time. But there are things that you can do on a daily basis that will put you into fifth gear. Yeah, little habits that you can implement into your life. Ideally, they're easily implementable and convenient and aren't heavy lifting that you can implement into your life that remind you to make better decisions. And so yeah. that is sort of our messaging. Like it's, it's not rocket science, right? Like if you start with a nutritional win every single day, your chances of, of, of making better decisions nutritionally throughout the rest of the day are just far greater than if you start with you know, a bagel and cream cheese um, or a, you know, croissant or a, you know, blueberry maple muffin. Like you can do that fine, but don't do it every day. Yeah. Don't do it every day. A lot of people do it every day and they wonder why, you know, they're struggling. 
in all areas of life. You know, like human beings were built to consume essentials like liquid and food. It's, it, is, it is what we were built to do. It's the only way we survive, right? All the other things we do now as human beings uh, is, is just added in the last like 150 years, right? Like we were, we were designed to, to consume and fuel our system so that we can move our bodies in a way that will ultimately garner positive results. And now there's so much shit. There's so many things to eat. And there's so much more time to sit down and be in front of a computer and not move our bodies. And so I don't know, man, I like my messaging is basically like, get off your fucking ass and eat the right shit and watch how your life changes to better. It's my story. It's literally, it's so funny. Like in the weirdest way, you and I see things like very similarly. Um, Like, and, and I think KOH can, you know, to your credit, just talk more about the brand can be like part of those health habits. Um, but I just totally agree, like in the nicest way possible, like I feel that it is so inexcusable to not treat your body um, and prepare it in the best way possible to like thrive in whatever you're trying to do throughout your day. Um, and I love that you're building a brand around trying to uh, penetrate right that routine that health and wellness habit that sets you up for success for the rest of your day because uh yeah it's just it's just so important and it's kind of like the the analogy of making your bed in the morning like you make your bed you get that one thing done then you're much more primed to accomplish other things as your day goes on so completely resonates with me um would love to learn a little more i mean the packaging is so vibrant um and, you know, some CPG entrepreneurs, they take in a more of a minimalist approach, like a halo atop is just talking about calories, but you've really packed in so many of the functional benefits that KOH offers. Could you maybe talk a little bit how you went about the packaging and how you're kind of trying to communicate function? Yes. I mean, I think it goes back to this idea that I didn't want to create a wellness brand that was like cactuses, whitewashed walls, sage burning in the background and tapestries. I really just didn't want to do that. I wanted to create a wellness brand that like you saw and you like double, it was like a double take, like, Oh, what is that? Um, And so I took inspiration from like 1950s boxing posters um, and uh, like kind of like headline, you know, like 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 old newspaper headlines. Um, I really wanted something that was like that was really really vibrant color wise, but also like um, that was like um, somewhat extreme, right? It was just like in your face, like an explosion. And uh, and so I brought on a uh, a branding agency that I've been wanting to work with for many years. Uh, they did all the branding for a, a clothing brand, clothing, clothing motorcycle brand that I've loved for years called Deus Ex Machina. And I never, I, I didn't know where they, who they were, where they were, but I tracked them down and they ultimately <laughs> lucky enough lived like it lived and had their office like 20 blocks from me in Brooklyn. What's and that then, agency? Uh, the agency is the, the, the name of them is the young jerks. Um, love that that. (laughs) yeah they're there and it's two guys it's two guys and 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 they're both named they're both named dan um (laughs) to the dance and uh they are awesome they uh they got what i was trying to do right away 
they got what I was trying to do right away. It also helped that they were like passionate about meatball shop and Seymour's. They've been going there for years. I couldn't, I was so stoked to hear that. And, and, um, and so we started working on it, you know, and it, it, it was a long process. I mean, we went through a bunch of iterations uh, until we landed on this one. And, you know, like I'm looking at the wall over there um, with all these boxes stacked up and it's like exactly what I was hoping for. Exactly what I was hoping for. Um, you know, we're, we're going through a few, uh, not branding changes, but, but name changes for uh the protagonist right now where we're actually changing the name um because we found out that uh a lot of our customers don't even use the word protagonist um so we're, we're actually going to change it and make it a little bit more clear of what it is um you guys will be the first to know we're, we're going to call it meal one creatures of habit meal one Ooh. um and um but the branding will be exactly the same you know, I, I, I think, I think really for me, it's, it's, it, it also comes back to the fact that like, I grew up in New York city in the public school system, lots of kids. I was a raver, a skater, a hip hopper, a rocker, uh, you know, a hippie. By the time I was 14 years old, I'd like gone through all different genres of, of style. And, and I really paid attention to lifestyle. It's something that I've, I've been passionate about for a long time. I remember when I was a young kid and, and you know, my teens and early twenties, I would sit in front of uh, this restaurant on spring street, listen to music and just watch people walk by for inspiration. Like that was like how I was, in, I got, I would get inspired um, because I was, pre, you know, I was into creativity and stuff like that. So I would like sit there and take notes and watch people just walk by. And, um, and, and so I really care about, I, I care about what I look like. Um, I care about what the, the brands that I'm associated look, feel, smell, communicate. Like, I feel like that is so important to me. The culture of the brand is expressed through how you, how you carry yourself, how you communicate, how you celebrate, how you dance, what you eat, how you mourn, how, you know, all those things. Um, and I feel like we've been able to sort of tell that story a little bit with our branding. Uh, I was just looking up those guys, the young jerks, their stuff is awesome. Mm -hmm. Legit awesome. So fun. So cool. Um, I want to transition into our rapid fire section of the podcast. We're going to throw some questions your way and give us whatever comes to mind. Zero pressure. Um, city or suburb. And for our listeners, Michael recently moved from, uh, the city of New York city to upstate New York. So, so I'm going to say city because suburb is, is a little is in between where this, if you said city and country, I would say country now. Okay, fine. <laughs> city and country. Country. <laughs> um, favorite creatures of habit flavor and your favorite way to eat it. Peanut butter, banana overnight. With milk or water? Almond milk. I use the, I use the, I use a, a coconut almond milk. Ooh, Khalifa. Yep. Yep. Great. Favorite restaurant in New York city. Ooh, tough one. I would yeah, say Seymour's or meatball shop. It's not, not meatball shop or Seymour's. I would, I, I have to give a few just cause I can't say favorite, but a restaurant that has been near and dear to my heart for at least 20 years is the blue ribbon brasserie. Um, mm -hmm. that was my first date with my wife. I, that was the first restaurant that I fell in love with. Um, you know, that's one of my favorite all-time restaurants in the world. Um, I would probably have to say, unfortunately, they recently closed in the pandemic, but Tomo Sushi on Bleecker, on, on, uh, Thompson between Houston and Bleecker was my favorite sushi spot in the city 
for um, like sort of somewhat regular, you know, everyday sushi. Um, and then, you know, I worked at Frank restaurant for eight years, so I'm a bit biased, but one of the best restaurants in the world, Frank restaurant. Love it. All right. Last but not least favorite workout slash Olympic lift, or can be a two-part question. So I just started CrossFit for the first time ever. Um, and I'm doing CrossFit like an animal right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm in love with CrossFit. So I would, I would have to say right now CrossFit and my favorite Olympic lift is probably the, um, I would, I would have to say it's a snatch because I'm just not good at cleaning. So I like going straight to the top. So I, I would have to say a snatch, either dumbbell, barbell, or kettlebell, either, either one. All right. Nice. Follow up because you are recently into CrossFit. I was a big CrossFitter years ago. Like, and I feel like anyone that gets into CrossFit is like addicted to CrossFit, like that you can't be a half-ass CrossFitter. Do you have like a favorite move, you know, like the rings, push-ups, handstand push-ups, wall balls? You know, I kind of love, I kind of lo love it all. It's, it's, it's all painful, no matter how you slice it. Um, it really is. And, you know, but I'm a very, very, very kind, yet competitive person. Anything that I do, I try to win at. Um, and, uh, and so I try to win when I go, <laughs> when I go in there. Um and they they kind of laugh at me, you know, but I'm, I, I, I don't take myself seriously. I'm like, you know, but I, but believe it or not, like I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty fit guy in there. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I think the kipping pull-ups are brand new to me. I've never done them before. Um, and so I kind of feel like it's kind of fun to flow like that, my body. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really loving though, the Olympic lifting stuff that I'm learning. Um, because I'd never really done Olympic lifting outside of kettlebell work. So barbell Olympic lifting, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing like the numbers that I can put up with that stuff. Love that. Nice, man. Um, you've kind of touched on it a bit throughout the episode, but one question we ask to all of our guests is how they subscribe to wellness. Um, so what are some of the main habits you're focused on, on a weekly basis, um, to ensure you're maintaining a healthy lifestyle while managing creatures of habit? I mean, that's uh, a loaded question for a guy like me because yeah. my morning routine is extensive and I don't miss any of them. And they're all very important to me, but I just quickly tell them I'll run them through. I'll run through them real quick. Love it. I wake up at 445 every morning. The first thing I do when I wake up is I smile from ear to ear, 15 seconds, hold my smile, like really shit eating grin. And I make a mental gratitude list. I jump out of bed. I take a piss, I step on the scale because I'm typically competing or I, I, I've got used to weighing myself in the morning. So I can, you know, weighing myself in, in, in is, is necessary for the competition that I was doing. Uh, and then I, uh, I wash my face. I've got like a full on skincare thing that I start that I started doing about a year ago, um, which I'm pretty fired up about. I floss with a water pick. I brush my teeth. I get on my hands and knees and I have a morning prayer that I say. Then I bang out 50 push-ups. Then I sneak out of the bedroom and uh, out of the bathroom, through the bedroom, down into the kitchen. I have athletic greens. I have, woo, 22, woo. Ounces, yep, I have 22 ounces of water with now I now I'm using element element T that the, the, uh, the electrolyte. So I pound that um, I walk over to the sauna. I sit in the infrared sauna for about 40 minutes in there. I read 10 pages. I write in my journal and I meditate. 
As soon as I'm done with that, I step into my cold plunge and I sit in the cold plunge for five minutes. And then I run to the shower, take a quick shower, sit down at the breakfast nook. And that's around 6.15 when my older son, who's seven years old, comes downstairs and we just hang and get cozy for, you know, 10 minutes until everybody else comes, hang with the family for a little bit. Um, and then uh, I make my way to the office and uh, I, I intermittent fast until I train. So I typically train um, at 11 o'clock and then I eat the protagonist at one o'clock. And that's like, those are like the main habits that I start my day with every day. Um, and then um, I've got a bunch of evening ones too, but, but really it's, it, for me, it's really the morning stuff that, that um, the habits that I do every single day in the morning to ensure uh, my health and my happiness. And I want to live a long time, you know, and I feel like if I keep doing what I'm doing, uh, that's going to be the case. You know, I got so many years to fucking put shit up on the board, you know? Yeah. It's one of, I'd, I'd say top answer we've ever gotten for that question after 45 episodes. I'd say, really I'd, say Rachel, I'd say Ari Tula is like the only one who gave almost as good of an answer, but that was a, uh, that was really impressive and great brand shout outs. We had Kat Cole on from AG the other day. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kat, yeah. Ari, Ari from LO, he's like a insane athlete as well. So I feel like the, the crazy athletes, we always get these like amazing routines from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think if, if wellness is really a part of your life, you know, you live every day, like it's your best, not your last. And I know I'm guaranteed one thing, 24 hours, you know, like I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And so, you know, I always finish my podcast, uh, the creatures of habit podcast with, um, the question, why do you, why do you go so hard? You know, I I typically have like hard charging, really creative, inspiring people on, and I always finish with, why do you, why do you do it? And nine out of 10 times, <laughs> the short answer is why not? You know, <laughs> why, why wouldn't I do it? Right. Like, why would I let my life pass me by and, and not try to make the most out of every single second? You know, I think it's like one in 4 billion or something the the chances to actually make it out of the, uh, you know, that's that that little sperm to make it into the thingy and the whole thing happens and then you boom pop out not 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 odds are stacked against us you know i love that uh michael where can our listeners find learn more about you creatures and habit your podcast all the all the goods you can um find me at michael churnow at michael churnow on any platform uh, I spend most of my time on TikTok and Instagram these days. Uh, Creatures of Habit is at Creatures of Habits, uh, predominantly on Instagram. We just started doing some TikTok stuff. You can go to creaturesofhabit.com. That's creatures with a K, creaturesofhabit.com uh, to check out what we're doing over there. And for your listeners, I think it would be kind of fun to give everybody a promo code if you're down for it. Yeah. But if you want to do a, a wellness, wellness 15, the number 15, um, for fifteen percent off your first order, if you want to give us a shot, yeah, we will definitely do that. Michael, thank you so much, and always a pleasure. Awesome to talk to you guys. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast, and of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness and we'll see you next time.